Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a pair of pastor scholars study a scripture passage drawn from the revised common lectionary. We hope it'll be enjoyable and edifying for all, but especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are preparing sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I'm discipleship pastor for Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And my guest this week is DJ Coleman. DJ is, I believe, his third time being on the show today. Uh, he's become a, a regular guest this year. He's a newly uh, appointed professor uh, of practical theology here at Indiana Wesleyan University. And so a friend and colleague of mine uh, who's been around now for about a year. And so he's been on the show a couple times this year. And so we're so glad to have him back on a uh, passage that's near and dear to his heart, which is Matthew 28, verses 11 through 20. Matthew 28, verses 11 through 20, the famous Great Commission, but in a slightly larger context, as you'll hear momentarily. As you're listening to the show today, if you find yourself enjoying it, just press the share button on your podcast player app of choice so you can pass this along to others so they can find out about the show as well. And if you'd like to support the show, just go to patreon.com slash fresh text and see ways you can support us there. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with DJ. Yeah, so we're looking at Matthew uh, 28. The assigned text was 16 through 20, but we're going to start at 11, <laughs> which makes me very happy. Yeah. Um, would you be willing to read the passage just would to get us started? To. I would love and to. And then we'll uh, pray and start start chatting. Sounds good. Go for it. Matthew 28, uh, starting in verse 11. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If the report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always." To the very end of the age. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Let us pray. Yeah. Father, uh, thank you for raising your son, Jesus, from the dead and for exalting him on high. And I uh, thank you that the stories of these encounters, as well as the reaction to his resurrection, that these stories have been handed on to us and that we have an opportunity to receive them afresh now not merely as words on a page, but as the very word of God handed forth through the ages. And so, Father, we just ask that by your spirit, um, you would be at work with in our conversation to draw us near to your son, Jesus, that we may be empowered to be obedient to his sending forth. So, Father, we ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. 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 Yeah. So what, uh, what stands out here? Where do you want to start? Do you want, want to start with just, uh, the choice to not, I mean, all, <laughs> all context is relevant. Right. I mean, you, you, you specifically requested, Hey, can we actually start at 11 and include sure. the, the narrative that immediately precedes the. Right. Yeah. The, I the think appearing. it's so important because you have this story, right. Of, the guards report. You have the women, they're on their way. Um, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened, right? The resurrection. Um, when the chief priests had met with the elders, they devised a plan. So chief priests, you think about the leaders of the religious institution mm-hmm. of the day. What we're seeing here is institutional authority. Ah, institutional okay. power, institutional authority. They met with the elders again, right? Which they, runs on money. Money. Right? So <laughs> right? now financial power, That's financial right. authority, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm using this word, word authority on purpose and we'll, and we'll see why, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, they go to the soldiers, large sum of money, telling them you are to say to the disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were sleeping. So they're thinking and they're, they have this, this story, this plot. They devised a plan. Uh, so you're thinking about uh, intellectual power, intellectual authority. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So now you have political power, yeah. political authority. So the soldiers took the money, financial, and they did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Hmm. So now you have this social power social authority. So all this power, all this authority goes to what I like to call this counter mission. So Mm. I think there's the, I talk about the Missio Dei, this great mission that God is doing in the world to one, to reveal God's self to the world, but also to restore all things in Christ. So to reveal and to restore. So you have this great counter mission, which is the verse, verses 11 through 15. I want it to hear ah. the Great Commission in light of this counter mission that is opposing what God has just done with Jesus, raising Jesus from the dead. Contain the story. Yes. Control the people. Yes. All of ah. that. And we have money. We have political power to oppose this great work that God has just done. <laughs> We're going to stop it. And then you get to verse 16. Yeah. The 11 disciples. Not the twelve, right, right, right. So you have this powerful because he got caught up with them. He got caught up with them. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. He got caught up with them. So now it, the eleven disciples with an exchange of money too, with an exchange <laughs> of money. And so you're you're starting to see this kind of these decisions that we are are making. What kingdom are we going to participate in? Um, God's kingdom or the kingdom of this world? But the eleven disciples. So. Not only, yeah, does Judas go and participate in the kingdom of the world, but this is, to me, Matthew signifying the weakness of the Christian movement, right? Ah, This is, And then they go to Galilee. So this is not Jerusalem. This is Gentile territory to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, some worship, some doubted. So, again, there's this awe and reverence, but also maybe some fear, Mm -hmm. right, or some doubt. But then Jesus came to them and said, in light of the counter mission, in light of all the authority, all the power you see in this counter mission, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So in light of 
the fallenness of the world, in light of this kingdom that's opposing God's kingdom, he says, no, I have all authority. I have all the power in heaven and on earth. It's been given to me. And so that's why I wanted to start in verse 11 through 15. I think kind of having that context of these, uh, this force in the world that's opposing God, God is important uh, for us to hear the Great Commission in that context, in that light. Well, that's so good. One little fun, just something I noticed, maybe you were going to point this out anyway, but one additional verbal mm-hmm. connection is in verse 15, mm-hmm. when it says, so they received or took the money mm-hmm. and they did as they were instructed. Mm-hmm. The verb there is didasco, okay. right? The word, word trans- teach. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which appears again in verse 20 at the yeah. end of Jesus' instruction near the end, mm-hmm. instruct them or teach them to keep everything that I have commanded to you. So you even have these, in terms of the counter mission, right. this kind of similar languaging. It would be strange to translate that, you know, teach in right. verse 15 as if they like taught them how to but do it. But maybe so, Matthew is showing, yeah. showing us something here. Yeah. And, and to me, I think that happens in the church often where you see this counter mission in the world. It has political power, has financial power, has institutional power, intellectual power. And it's almost this temptation to match what the world is doing, <laughs> to look at, okay, this is what they're doing. Let's do it this way in the church or in within our Christianity to kind of mimic the world and try to beat the world at what it's doing. Yeah. And often appealing to a distorted understanding of this very text. Mm-hmm. It's often, hey, we're advancing the Great Commission here. And so that's what justifies. Right. Right. Reach for power. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't say go attack them. He he says go after them, like make disciples. It's not an aggressive attack, but an intentional kind of welcoming and portraying or witnessing that's involved there. But yeah, so all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, in light of that reality, in light of that truth, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so on. So I think the Great Commission finds a lot of value in light of that context. But one thing I, I really like is in verse 16 where it says Jesus tells them to go to this mountain. Mm-hmm. And so in the Gospel of Matthew, really in, in the entire Bible, mountains are places of revelation. So whether that's Mount Sinai, um, Mount Horeb, uh, mm-hmm. If in Matthew you have the Sermon on the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration, um, there are several mountain scenes, and mountains are always this place of revelation. And so this is the final mountain scene in the Gospel of Matthew, yes. where he's giving and imparting significant revelation of his authority, but also the task that he's calling the disciples to, which is to make disciples. Well, as you've seen me do, you go now. And do you make disciples of all nations? And I believe that is the great omission. So a lot of times people say the great omission is we're not making disciples. We hmm. we need to make disciples. I don't think that's honestly the problem. I think the problem is we, we're not going to the mountain where Jesus told us to go. <laughs> we're not going to the place of revelation. We're not getting a fresh word from God. And so revelation always precedes proclamation. And mountain always precedes mission. You go to the mountain first, have this fresh revelation, a fresh insight from God 
to give to people, to give to the world. So yeah, Revelation I love always precedes what was that? Proclamation. Proclamation, yes. And mountain is always before mission. If we understand mountain to be a place of revelation, a, a place um, right. where we hear from God. Yeah, I think that's good. Mountain before mission. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's especially because the content of the mission is about making disciples of others in the very teachings, in the way he instructs. Mm-hmm. And yet there's no credibility in doing that if we don't obey. Apparently his last instruction is that he designated this mountain, which is a little interesting. I, I was just taking a glance at that word. Mm-hmm. It's the only time Matthew uses it, yeah. which is interesting. <laughs> it's not a super common term, but it's it's linked to when I just do a quick word study here, it often appears in context with authority. Yeah. Right? It's things that are appointed or set or established. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I, I'm very and maybe this is a silly question and it can't be answered, but it's it's a curiosity. Mm-hmm. When did he appoint this mountain? Like, is this yeah, the long right. version did, of the, yeah, the pr- passion prediction that we don't have? Right. Because in Matthew's version of the Eastern narratives, right, right, you get empty tomb down in Judea. You get an appearance to the women mm-hmm. on the way. Right. So they get kind of an early mm-hmm. appearance on the way to Galilee. Right. And all it is is just, you know, he'll meet you in Galilee as he told you. Right. But it's like saying, yeah, going? like yeah. meet me in New York. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> where? Where? Exactly. But it's clear because of the language here. Right. You know, they came into Galilee, into the mountain, which Jesus had appointed for them. Yes. This so is an intentional thing. Had he mentioned this mountain before? Mm-hmm. Hey, someday this, if, if, if it's, I mean, remember, remember when we were kids, like before cell phones and like, you'd have like. The you, place in the mall that you're supposed right, to go. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, okay, if we get split up, right, meet this at is this spot. Footlocker right? or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we meet yeah. up at the footlocker. Right. And it could be as simple as that. Because, of course, like you said, there's been many moments of, on mm-hmm. the mountain before. A lot of tradition even says that this is the same mountain as the Mountain of Transfiguration. The text right. doesn't say that. But you could right. see why right. there would be the notion of a special mountain right. to meet up at. Just as he had the Garden of Gethsemane and the Mount of Olives right. down in Judea. This is the Galilean mountain. But or, then the secrecy around it's kind of interesting. I don't know, but go ahead. Well, go ahead. well it's, is it, you could think about it that way, or you could think about it, Matthew writing something, and this being an interpretive cue, that this mountain, you just, you have these mountain scenes. And if you have, I think there's seven mm-hmm. total mountain scenes in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you're reading it, you're looking for the seventh mountain yes. scene. Yeah. And so this is the final revelation. This is the final mountain scene in the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, I so, think it's intentional to not tell us its precise location because the right. point is not it's which not, mountain. It's not what mountain. It's, otherwise, it's what mountain signifies. <laughs> right. Because then we'd all want to go there. we'd all want to go there. the opposite of mission. In Israel, get- this is where the mountain was, right? And then we get our selfies there and everything. I think it's this is significant revelation. And I think many churches, when you think about their mission statement, they go to this passage. There's a reason this is called the Great Commission. Um, the text doesn't call it that, but I think the church has rightly seen that this is significant. This last word of Jesus in Matthew, obviously in Acts, we have a very similar, you'll be my witnesses mm-hmm. in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. But for Matthew, this go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of this is, to me, I think, a very key piece of, of Jesus's 
mission in the world. Well, let's get into some of the details of that after the break. All right. Yeah, sounds good. We're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, DJ Coleman, and we're looking at uh, Matthew 28, verses 11 through 20, the counter mission and the Great Commission. Yeah, we really focused on the context and the narrative and gotten a little bit into the content. But you, you say, okay, mountain comes before mission, revelation comes before proclamation. So let me just read mm-hmm. just the words of Jesus just sure. to get us started. Yeah. So it says that he said to them, starting in 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations or all the Gentiles, mm-hmm. other possible, mm-hmm. <laughs> the other, the ethne, mm-hmm. right? Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to keep all which I have commanded to you. And behold, I am with you always, all days, mm-hmm. until the ending of the age. So yeah, so there's this flow, like you say, a revelation. He doesn't, even though we call it the Great Commission, and it is the Great Commission, right. even the commissioning begins just with a proclamation of a fact, not right. of an instruction. It doesn't right. start with an imperative verb. Right. It starts with an indicative verb. Right. And a past tense one at that, right. and a passive one. It's right. not even something he's done. The father, right, is yeah. the implicit subject right. of that verb. The mm-hmm. father has given me mm-hmm. all authority. Then there's the instruction to go make disciples, baptize, teach. Mm-hmm. So we can walk through those four elements sure. in a moment. But then it ends then with a promise. Mm-hmm. Although it's, it's not used in that language. It's just a present tense. Right. I am. Right. I go a me. I am with you. A fact. Right. Yeah, just another fact. All days. And each of these moments, you know, you get, it keeps repeating this all, right? Mm -hmm. All authority, which is that contrast with the false authorities from before. All the nations, all that I've taught, all the days. Right. So just thinking of just kind of the flow and structure. It starts with a culminating passage, right? Yeah. 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 And it starts and ends with declaration of fact, of the fulfillment of promise, of a continued promise. And then in between those actions of the father and the son so you can think of the first action as the father's action the giving of the authority in his death and resurrection Mm -hmm. you know jesus own action in his being with right Mm -hmm. in between if this was if this was luke or john he gets the formula spirit language here but you know they would say you know in the power of the spirit go and do these that's that the the spirit's the agency hidden in this work of going and sure making disciples baptizing teaching so I just, I love the structure of it. Like you say, it's just a culminating teaching of the last words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not last words, because he's still speaking. Final words. <laughs> there's, As there's recorded a, there's by a fi- Matthew. Yes. Yeah. And there's a finality yeah. about them. This right. is the final instructions. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So what what stands out in these words in particular that you'd want to comment on or explore a little more? Yeah. Just why the all nations we could start there we could just kind of go in order yeah um, make disciples of all nations and the question is would this be a surprise to these jewish disciples mm. yeah chapter 10 he says don't go to the gentiles right. would this be a yeah. surprise or has matthew been kind of showing us that this is where the gospel is going hmm. it's where it's taking us so maybe a bit of both well I, so <laughs> 
Craig Keener talks about this, and I really like his work kind of going through Matthew, starting in, in chapter one with the genealogy and how there are Gentiles mentioned there yeah. in the genealogy of Jesus. And so, again, it's not it's not so much is it a surprise to the disciples, but it, is it a surprise to the readers mm. that this instruction of go make disciples of all nations. So Matthew 1, you have the genealogy with uh, different ethnicities present there, Tamar, Rahab, Canaanites. And then um, you have in chapter two, the Magi yeah, yeah, that yeah. come from uh, the East. And then I think it's Matthew chapter eight. There's this interesting verse of the centurion where he says uh, in verse 11, says, I say to you that many will come from the east yes. like the Magi and the west like this Roman centurion hmm. and will will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And so that's, that's an interesting verse, right? And so maybe yeah. there's something pointing toward this multi-ethnic discipleship that he is mentioning in, in chapter 28. Planting seeds, right? Yeah, as you kind of go along, you have um, the healing of Jairus's daughter in Matthew 9. You have the Canaanite woman or the Syrophoenician woman. Of, yeah. You have that. So there's all these kind of hints, these, like you say, seeds. Yeah, Canaanite. Yeah, in, in, in chapter version, 15. Right? Yeah, in 15. Oh, um, Lord, son of David. Right. Yeah, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Right. And she keeps asking, and he's like, all right. Right. So what's up with that, right? Yeah. So she's, uh, and then even on the cross, right, you have uh, the Roman soldier that, that says, yes. surely this is the Son of God. And then you get to Matthew 28 right here where go make disciples of all nations. So to this multi-ethnic family, he, he says to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And it's odd when you go through the book of Acts uh, with the Ethiopian eunuch, you have the Lydia and you have the jailer um, who are baptized. You have these different baptismal scenes. And maybe just because of the way it's written, you don't ever see this baptismal formula in, right. in Acts. Obviously, it's a beautiful formula. It's the formula I use when I baptize people. And I think it really gets at um, a, st a strong theological you know, sense of, of what's happening. Uh, but I think what's happening is not being baptized into a formula, but into a family, uh, the family of God and the multi-ethnic family of brothers and sisters who identify themselves with Christ. And I think that's significant at the end of Matthew, that uh, we are part of this family as we go out. It's not just these 11 disciples. It's not just the story we kind of just read or went through, but we're all part of this as brothers and sisters united to make disciples and, and bring people into this, uh, bring people into relationship with God and not just bring them into relationship with God, but teaching them to obey, thinking about the Shema and thinking obviously about the teachings of Jesus in the um, Great Commission. Everything I have commanded you yeah, including this last command, which is kind of yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. This last command, everything <laughs> I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. But yeah, the, the baptismal um, formula there and the, the multi-ethnic family. Yeah, I like that family language because it actually links it because it's so easy because of the, the liturgical use right. of this phrase 
it's very easy for that to get kind of pulled out of the context of the the saying and the story as a whole. Right. Where all the emphasis is lying not on, you know, it's not like they're sitting there saying, uh, Jesus, how would you like us to perform our baptisms, right? <laughs> right, yeah. It's not- Although there is some, some, some peculiar evidence, you know, since Jesus, some of us, according to John's gospel, some of Jesus' disciples came from John the Baptist's right. circle, and all of the gospels make it clear that Jesus was in John the Baptist's circle in some sense, perhaps right. even a student of his at first. Sure. And there's this these odd little pieces of evidence that are even a little weird in the way that they're presented in John that that they were baptizing right. already right. prior. Yeah. And so it is kind of it is kind of curious to wonder like we probably weren't using this formula before no. the resurrection, right? right. So, so it what is significant. Formula, yeah. The revel- when you're talking about the mountain, right. this is part of the revelation. Right. Is perhaps the triune name of God here, but that should never be turned into a sort of doctrine that's separated from the actual saying and story here right. that is centered on this making disciples as you go of Ponta ta ethne, all the nations, all the Gentiles, this new multi-ethnic family that's being created. And so then a more family language of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. This is this all-inclusive, expansive God that you're being drawn into in baptism. Yeah. I mean, just think about how shifting that would be for Peter to think of Cornelius as his brother. Hmm. I mean, hmm. and that's what I think that's what Matthew, what Jesus is doing in Matthew. So Matthew 12 the last verses there, 48 and 49, where Jesus is redefining family. Who is my mother? <laughs> who is my brother? It, those who obey my father. There it is. You know, so he's redefining what it means to be family. And the initiation into the family is this baptism. Well, obviously, what baptism is pointing to is being in communion with the Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit. So in First John talks about this, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, our hands have touched. We write this uh, so that you would have fellowship with the Father, and our fellowship is with you know the Father and Son. We write this to make our joy complete. Is a sense in which inviting people to be in, in part of the family, the multi ethnic family of God, that that brings us joy. But that's kind of the task that we that we have at hand is inviting people to be part of. Uh, are participating in in the family of God. I love that. I even see a little connection to earlier in our own chapter, you know, who are my mother and my brothers, right? Mm -hmm. 28 verse 10, when Jesus appears to the women and says, do not be afraid, but go and declare to my brothers, Mm -hmm. which is not how he tends to speak to them. Right. Tends yeah, to not be the way he not, speaks yeah, prior cool. to the resurrection. Sure. And over, over in John's gospel, you get a similar pattern where he says, go and tell my brothers that I'm ascending to my God and your God. Right. My father Very and your father. Right? right. So there's this idea that through his death and resurrection, through the authority given there, mm-hmm. now there is the authority exousia, mm-hmm. which also appears, sorry, I'm going, getting excited because in John 1, <laughs> it says, you know, those who believe in his name are given the authority to right. be called children of God. Right. Right or power, it's translated. It's the same word, exousia here. Right. Right. So, this authority to actually be mm-hmm. this legitimacy as part of the family. And this, so then he's immediately expanding that family, yeah, to my brothers. Mm-hmm. But then, what does it mean to be my brother? It's to go and do all that I've told you, which for Absolutely. you means telling others to go and teach them to do all that I told them. Right. 
And then for then, for Peter, like you said, to see Cornelius as his as, brother. As his brother. That's what it means to be baptized in the right. name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. It's not, and that's what I think that's what not Paul, just a formula, a family. I think that's right? what Paul understood. And I think that was, uh, you say, you know, how, how would Peter understand that with Cornelius, but with Paul, you know, yeah. with his transformation and him seeing Jew and Gentile as his brothers and his sisters in Christ. And that's what he talks about in Galatians and, and all appeals throughout. to baptism. Every time he makes every that time. argument, yes. <laughs> Ephesians, one Galatians, bap- Romans, it's always baptism. baptisms that he appeal. Right. And yeah. I mean, you, he, he takes essentially, I mean, he does this in Romans. He does this in Galatians as well. Chapter four, the external and only male right of circumcision and kind of transforms or, or points toward baptism being this initiation into the family of God. Mm-hmm. And that's brothers and sisters are able to participate in baptism in that way. So you have this outward sign of an inward reality. Oftentimes is, you know, people say that of this transformation, but also it's also of an outward reality, the outward yes. reality of outward this new family reality. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's part of what it means to be a family. It's not just an internal thing, a biological thing. It's, it is the conversation. It is the way that you treat people. It is the way that you relate to one another. It is very outward. And so to be part of a family, you have to, I think that element sometimes is neglected for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Well, this is great. I think, I think we should pause right here sure. and then come back and explore some sermon starters. Sounds good. We're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with my guest, DJ Coleman, and we've been looking at Matthew uh, 28, verses 11 through 20. Just looking at a lot of interesting twists and turns in the story sure. and the content. So let's explore some sermon starters. Obviously, you've already planted some seeds along the way, but uh, and you've probably preached and taught on this many times. But uh, you know, as you yeah. think about, uh, you know, if you were going to write a new sermon, right. like where would you want to focus your energies? Obviously, you, could, you would include a lot of the things we've talked about, right. but uh, where, w- where would you want to focus uh, your attention? Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of ways we can go. I like what you were talking about with um, kind of comparing and contrasting the counter mission and the commission. That's like, a fun idea. Yeah. Right. You have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God, and or the maybe using Matthew's language, kingdom of the world and, and mm. kingdom of heaven. And kind of comparing and contrasting where is our allegiance where do we place our allegiance and even like you talked about with the 11 disciples with judas you saw his allegiance and where that led him Um, because that word 11 is very oh it just it wouldn't have to say it could just say the disciples right to say 11 makes us hear judas yeah it makes us hear judas it and it yeah it could also make us think the disciples are a weaker force than the counter mission. <laughs> you know, they're not functioning on all cylinders right now. They're, but yeah, you think of you could almost and you could use it as a way to get into the content of the commission mm-hmm. by walking through like the authority and then the teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, in nineteen and, and right, the beginning the of verse, twenty, right. especially because there's that same Very word well. is used in fifteen. So how are they being instructed? Right. And then the promise of presence is, I mean, in a way, I mean, this you have to think this through, but you know, it's payment versus presence, mm-hmm. right? That the, they go on their right. way, right? 
here's the story you're supposed to tell. Right. And they're both being sent to tell a story. That's right. what's, it's yeah. very great. It's, it's very it's good. Very, yeah, clever. very. Yeah, I like that one. But and they're being and what they're being offered is not presence, not community, not family, but mm-hmm. payment. Right. Right. They're getting paid off. Right. And Jesus doesn't promise them any. Nope. Payment. He doesn't even talk about you're going to get eternal life. You're going to have a mansion in heaven. I mean, right. that's all true. That's fine. But like, that's have not my presence. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be with you. Right. That's not good. I'm going to leave right. and then come get you and give you a killer reward. Mm. Right. Um, again, that, that, that imagery is legitimate too. That's also in the scripture, right. but it's not the way he frames it here. The way he frames it here is perpetual daily presence. Right. Yeah. So I think that is a way that you could kind of, Think about a sermon and, and doing that, not trying to pull people toward a polarizing right. understanding of the world and heaven or anything like that, but a way of thinking about the way that we think about life, how we engage in the world, where's our allegiance, what's orienting our life. Because you think about even what Jesus talks about in the great um, in the Sermon on the Mount was storing up treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy. That's an option. We can store up treasure. We can think about uh, things of this earth, or we can store up treasure in heaven, the kingdom of heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy and the thief doesn't break in. Mm-hmm. So, what are you orienting your life around? Could be, could be a way. Yeah, I just, I just bumped into. If you wanted to run with that, just bumped into another parallel or yeah, something. Yeah. So at the end of twenty, uh-huh. and this is a one of my little translational pet peeves right Mm -hmm. it's always it's always quoted and translated almost always and behold i am with you always Mm -hmm. which is fine always is fine but it it actually says all the days all the days yeah (laughs) all the days until the ending of this age right Mm -hmm. and you and that age language i think you may have mentioned this earlier is a clear contrast because these are the Mm -hmm. the contrast with the the powers of this age the principalities and powers of this age that we're seeing in verses 11 through 15. Mm-hmm. So that's all the days. Part of why I like that is just longer. So you just notice it. Right? <laughs> but all the days, and, and it helps you see the word all again, being mm-hmm. repeated for the fourth time. Right. Which is hiding in the English word always, but you lose an L. Right. So you might miss that it's the sure. same word all again. Pasas. Mm-hmm. All the days contrasted within verse 15, that this rumor this word is still told among the Jews until this day right. to this very day. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've got the parallel of the day. Yeah, yeah. And, and okay. So there's the other stories that are being passed around today. Right. And then there's our promise of his presence all of the days. I don't know. I'd have to, yeah, I'd have to yeah, play with it play some with more, that, but the, the contrast, I think is, you can though. I think that's, I think that's very true. I think and this good. conversation today is convincing me more and more that, that Matthew, I mean, where, where else? Where else are you going to put eleven through fifteen? It's where it goes in the story. But although actually he could have stuck it between seven and eight, okay. Because when it happened, like it the, would have made it could it worked, It would also bit. work there, right? Right. I'm not talking about when it happened. I'm talking about like how he chooses to narrate to, it, right? right? He could have inserted this between seven and eight when they get sent off. Right. Actually, so I'm pausing and saying that could have been clever. It would have created a little expectation because then you get the appearance of Jesus after a delay. Right. So it would create a little pause, right? But he chooses not to do that. And by doing so, he actually puts it closer to to the Great Commission. So I wonder if there is a little more intentionality, intention possibly in this 
I just really like the yeah. all authority. Like what in yeah. light of all these other authorities, all these other powers that you That's see in the, the world. Idea. Uh-uh. I have all authority mm-hmm. and power. Mm-hmm. Therefore go in light of this. Cause otherwise what, what are the, let's say you don't have the great commission. You, I mean, which would make the gospel of Matthew very awkward, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially, especially the ending. Especially given some of his statements that seem to be very Israel centric, very Israel centric. Because it was. Yes. Because of course yes. the truth is that the mission of Israel was for the Gentiles, but that needs to be clear. Right. Yeah. So if you don't have 16 through 20, then what did the, what did the disciples do? You know, I mean, hey, isn't it cool that he's raised from the dead? Yeah. So it's like what? A fun, interesting yeah. fact. What do you do with it? <laughs> so, I, I think it is significant that verses eleven through fifteen are where they are, and I think it does stress kind of the all authority thing. But anyway, back to the sermon though. This kingdom of mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So these con. I mean, there's just additional ways that you could. It'd be just a fun way to preach a relatively familiar text and be able to kind of see it in mm-hmm. a fresh way. Just right. kind of walk through. You could almost write, you know, the counter mission. Right. Almost write it out in, mm-hmm. in the, la- but use kind of use a version of the language of right. Jesus here, kind of the twisted version. Yeah. Instead know. of the 11 disciples, you have the chief priests and the elders. Right. Instead of, you know, where they go, you have the city, right? The guards went into the city. Um, yeah. When they versus the mountain, right? Instead right. Of the, yeah, I think you really, <laughs> I think you really can do that. I think I, I really feel eleven and fifteen, eleven through fifteen, kind you can of almost picture this. the chief priests saying, you know, some authority on earth has been given to us, <laughs> right? We have, well, therefore, they would say, go. Well, I think that's. I, yeah. I don't think they say some authority. I think they're saying all authority, yeah, has been given to us. We have all the authority. If the governor. Um, we have the money. Yeah, once you we get them all included, the soldiers. We have we have all authority on on every end. We have all the authority. And interestingly, you could say, okay, these are earthly authorities, and Jesus doesn't come along and say all authority in heaven has been given to me. He's uh-huh. not saying, okay, they run the earth, they run the earth, heaven. Yeah. No, no, no. All authority in heaven and, and on the earth. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think it's in your face. To yeah, I, I really do feel that. And then you also in verse 17, some doubted. Okay, well, what, what do you do up top with uh, those who are doubting? We have a plan. Like for uh, those who, uh, we're going to say this about the disciples came, stole him away during the night. And um, if the report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him, keep you out of trouble. If there's any doubt, we have money, we have this story. So there is, I mean, you can, you can play right. with that a little bit. And Jesus, dis- I love how Jesus dispatches with the doubt here. He just commissions them anyway. Notice it doesn't say it's part, it's part he commissioned of, yes. only those who didn't doubt. Right. It's part of it. They also are given a commission. Right. It's just, part of it. Which is quite encouraging. It is very encouraging. <laughs> you know, I tried to, at one point, talk about that word, um, some worship, but some doubted, because it's the same hmm. word where it talks about ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? And I try to, and just to tell the ending of the story, it doesn't work out. <laughs> but I try to say that when Jesus says, you have little faith, that, that that's a positive thing. You have some faith, but why did you doubt? Mm. But it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't seem like uh, the text kind of lends it to that. But I do think you can, you can play with the, the passage a little bit. Yeah, no, no, I dig it. I dig it. And I think this is a really fun, I mean, I always call this last segment sermon starters. Mm-hmm. And like, 
that's a sermon starter there. Like just start, like, right. you know, if you're, if you're thinking of preaching on this text, if you're listening to this, just run with this idea and see mm-hmm. if the, the contrasting commissions here, mm-hmm. you know, stirs something up. And if in the process, like, okay, the sermon goes in another direction, you'll still have seen a lot of things in the text that'll unlock. Right. You know, right. It doesn't have to end there. It's a starter. Yeah. Well, but one I think of the- it's a, it's a really clever idea. I'm glad you brought that to our attention. Were you going to yeah. say one more thing? Yeah, just uh, the mountain, I think, is important. We yeah. talked about it already, but I think it, in in preaching this sermon, I think the church has done a good job of commissioning people to make disciples. I don't know if the church has done a good job of kind of showing you how to do that, <laughs> what that might look like to make disciples in, in our context. But one thing I do think the church, you know, what we could do a better job at is pointing people to the mountain, to the place of revelation prior to mission or prior to proclamation, spending time with God, um, saturating yourself in, in the word, in, in the spirit, in prayer. Maybe we think, oh, there'll be time enough for that after we get the mission done. No. It's like, no, it's got to start there. Jesus says, go to the mountain first. Before he says, go to the mission, go to the mountain. And that's where he gives the commission. Man, I mean, the moment you said that line, the mountain and mission, I mean, rhymes must be true, right? But uh, <laughs> but I immediately was like, well, that's a whole sermon there, man. That right. is so good. I love it. Right. I love it. And it's it's implied again in that final line, right? That I will be with you all days until the ending of this age. Mm-hmm. That being with, because that's what the mountain is about. Right. It's that being with. Right. Even his initial selection of the disciples is linked in going up to the mountain, calling mm-hmm. them to himself. Yeah that they may be with him right. and that he may send them out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been really great. I've had a blast talking to you. It's Thanks fun. so much for Enjoy giving it. the time. Thanks yeah. uh, to Todd and Eric for your production work. Can't imagine doing the show without you. Thanks uh, to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And uh, thanks to all our uh, supporters. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash fresh and see ways there that you can support the show. With that said, say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye.